Welcome to the Arrive and Thrive podcast. We are your hosts, Tyson Day and Daniel Lenardi. Our podcast is designed to give you fresh perspectives and educational insights to make sure you thrive in every moment. Regularly, we are joined by thought leaders, life learners, and generally amazing humans who bring an approach just like us, casual, relaxed, and curious. Becoming a chef and running your own restaurant has many challenges and rewards. In this episode, we sit down with Matthew Carnell, a chef and owner of Bistro Terroir, a French restaurant in Dalesford. Matthew shares his experience of living in France and developing his craft from an apprentice to where he is today. This episode is for anyone who has an interest in the hospitality space and has a passion for restaurants and all things kitchen operations. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Arrive and Thrive would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we recorded this podcast and pay our respects to their elders, leaders past, present and emerging. Matty Carnell, the owner and head chef of Bistro Terroir in Dalesford, welcome to the Arrive and Thrive podcast. G'day Tyson. Hey Daniel, how you going guys? Lovely to be on the show. Lovely to have you on man. Dan, how are you travelling? Yeah, going well. Looking forward to chatting to you, Matt, about your um, story and your restaurant out there in Dalesford. Yeah, no, look, it's um, yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to it. Now, mate, just just um, please uh, paint a picture for our listeners because we can see you on Zoom here with the beautiful blue sky. But um, for those who don't know Dalesford, where is Dalesford? Um, so Dalesford's located probably an hour and ten minutes uh, north uh, of Melbourne. Um, sort of get on the uh, Westgate Freeway and. Um, just followed the, the 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 Rainbow Road up to the uh, to the, uh, the the small town of Dalesford, um, Spa Town. Um, yeah, we've got a beautiful lake and just a nice little spot. Yeah, pretty close to Melbourne. So yeah, yeah, love it. And mate, how long have you been operating your restaurant there for? Um, so I started Bistro Terroir uh, three years ago. Three years coming up uh, in a week and a half. So um, yeah, started it off the back of not wanting to work for anyone else anymore and make my own decisions. And uh, yeah, just took the plunge and, and yeah, had a crack. Yeah. That's awesome. And for listeners, um, if you, if you haven't checked it out already, when you're in Dalesford, I highly recommend it. Maddie took my wife and our, my wife and I to um, a chef's table experience and cooked up a storm and I'll probably mispronounce this as well, Maddie, but steak and fritz. <laughs> so- yeah. Steak fritz. Perfect, man. You got it. Perfect. Sure, so, surely you, I know you didn't do French at school, did you? No, I did Chinese in year eight. Then they were like, wait a second, you need more support with English. So stop <laughs> learning a second language. So. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Maddie, I'm a big fan of um, a chef's table and the, the, the food cooking shows on um, yeah. TV. So I'm excited to bust some myths and maybe hone in on some truths in, um, you know, that world. Cause it's a bit of a crazy yeah. world, the chef world. But before we go there, can you talk our listeners through your journey to date um, and how you've got to where you are from, you know, right back when it all started, maybe leaving school? Yeah, look for sure. Um, yeah. The industry we're sort of known as pirates, I think. Um, and that's that kind of that old school mentality that's kind of uh, changing, which is cool to be. Um, it's really nice to be changing. Um, Anyway, I'll sort of, I'll start you off with, um, yeah, I, I um, start of high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, hopeless at school. Uh, Tyson can probably <laughs> let your listeners know about that too. Um, but no, just, um, yeah, I loved playing sport and um, I found jumping into a kitchen is a very sort of 
it's a very team orientated, um, yeah, job industry. Um, you're working with a team 24 seven and I fell in love with that sort of camaraderie ship. Um, yeah, in, um, in the kitchen I was working. And so I started off work experience, 14 years old, jumped in, loved it for a week. And then he gave me a job washing pots and pans. Um, I used to call myself the underwater, uh, technician um <laughs> ceramic technician because i never wanted to be known as a dish pig but um i did that for about three and a half years and then um yeah got lucky enough that he offered me an apprenticeship so i ended up doing my whole apprenticeship in eltham northeast suburbs um and yeah just loved it started doing competitions i won a competition to go to france um in my second year when i was I'd just gone 19 um so that took me over there and and worked with a uh, three Michelin star chef for a month and just immersed myself. I was there at seven in the morning. I'd work through till yeah, one in one in the morning, sometimes even like later um, and just tried to be an absolute sponge. Um, and then while I was, while I was there and I was just about to leave, he offered me a job to stay and unfortunately I couldn't take it cause I was still an apprentice an apprentice and I needed to finish my apprenticeship. But um, I got back in contact with him straight away uh, once once I'd finished my apprenticeship and he said, Hey man, I've got this new place opening up in Paris. I want you there. So, um, I took three months off and traveled with my mates through Southeast Asia. Just, I needed that break and then jumped straight into it. Um, worked in a, a we got two Michelin stars in that first year. Um, I worked for just over a year, uh, and then packed it in. It was just, wasn't my kind of thing. I it was uh, molecular gastronomy. So a lot of chemicals and chemistry involved and, I felt out of touch with just, yeah, you know, flavor and, and cooking from the heart. So um, I decided to go down to the French Alps um, where they didn't speak any English and uh, just jump in and, and get myself a job. And uh, I worked in a sort of a, a, a semi-formal brasserie, I guess. And um, yeah, I remember that first, that first uh, service. I think we did 300 covers and I'm trying to translate what the chef's telling me and try not to stuff it up. And yeah, you know, I ended up having the biggest migraine after that, but yeah, loved it. So I stayed there for a while. Uh, I was in the French Alps for three and a half years and then uh, it ran out of visas, got the letter from the French government saying you've got like 90 days to get out. And um, yeah, came back home um, and I was in the French Alps loving it. I did not want to go into a big city. Um, and my parents were, were lucky enough that they, uh, they have a holiday home up here and I uh, just moved into Dalesford and found myself a job. So that's kind of the short, uh, the short story of it. I could go on for ages, but yeah, look, um, it's been, I think 13, 14 years now I've been in the industry and, and um, they're still loving it today. And I take you back to when you uh, won that competition in your second year as an apprentice. Yeah. What, what, what put you in a position where, you know, you'd be good enough as a chef to win that, being only 19 years old and only you've been working for a year, were you kind of being a real sponge when you were doing the water ceramic technician work? Technician, underwater, yeah, ceramic technician work. <laughs> no, yeah, I guess so. Um, my my chef at the time, who's still my mentor today, uh, I call him up every every week and anytime I've got a question, you know, he sort of said to me, he said, this is an apprenticeship competition, not, a, not for qualified chefs. It is now, but when I did it, it wasn't. And he said, you know, you've just, you've got to work hard for 10 hours. That's it outside of work and I'll help you and I'll open up on the weekends, our weekends and, and come in, we can try things. 
all you've got to do is work hard and do something for 10 hours and you'll have a crack at winning this whole massive trip. And I'm like, yeah, why not? Cool. Let's have a crack. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I've always been a big reader of books and, um, there was no Instagram at the time. Um, but you know, always searching online, um, and just came up with ideas and my boss was always, yeah, let's do it. There was never a, a pushback or anything I ever wanted to know. He was there to, to, um, yeah, to, to listen and help me through and, and get to that next stage. And, um, so he sort of, he believed in me and I didn't believe in myself and, and yeah, they, you know, I went to the, I, I got announced as a finalist and went through and I met Thierry Marx when he was, he was in uh, Melbourne at Crown and worked with him for the day. And, and then, yeah, like, Three days later, I got announced as one of the two winners to head over for a month. So, you know, I, I think it was, yeah, it was most, mostly my chef pushing me and believing in me um, to have a crack, which sort of helped me, I think, get over the line. So, yeah. But, mate, can you, can you share with the listeners, so, like, the learning curve of, of going, you know, first of all, to a foreign country. So, I'm assuming all of the instructions were in French and you had to learn French, like, quite quickly being in the kitchen. Can, like, can you just talk us through that process? Like your first day of rocking up and going, all right, cool. Like I've got to, oh, man. I've got to make something of this. I think um, I can be a bit naive sometimes and it, it, it does hold me in good stead sometimes. Um, like, you know, I got this, I got this chance. I, I mean, when, Bordeaux, they spoke English to me most of the time, but as, as I was an apprentice and I was only there to help really. But moving, I kind of gave myself a couple of days in, in London just to sort of acclimatise to Europe. And um, and then I just remember getting into my apartment, my hotel room that I had for a week. And it's like, hey, like, I don't know how to speak this language. I've got to get a bank account. I've got to find myself an apartment. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I've got a job that starts in a week, but I don't even have a place to stay. And um, I... <laughs> as any Aussie does when they're overseas, they go to an Aussie bar. So I'm like, Hey, I went into an Aussie bar and said, um, you know, I've moved here and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I met some super cool people at that Aussie bar, um, that I'm still really good friends with today. And, um, but yeah, I mean, getting into the, getting into the kitchen on your first day, it's like going to school, but you don't speak a new school, but you don't speak the language. And you're all in a big circle and it's like this whole new kitchen. And so everyone's meeting everyone for the first time. You've got to stand up. And I remember I moved myself to the end of the line because I had to try and learn what people were saying because you had to introduce yourself. So you had to say, you know, hi, I'm Matt. I'm from Australia. I've been cooking for X amount of years. I've been like a chef really for, I don't know, six months. And all these guys are just looking at me and don't understand a word I'm saying. Um, so that was pretty funny. It was really daunting, but I mean, you know, um, it is what it is. And then just, I remember being in the kitchen and just chefs yelling at me for six months straight, you know, and, and, and it's not like the fridge was you know, a quick 30 second walk down, down a corridor. You had to go down two levels and you had to walk. It was, it was a 10, 10 minute round trip to get something. And so I've got chefs yelling, excuse my language, but the fucking green thing is cause I don't understand what a peas is in French. <laughs> just like oh you feel hopeless for so long but um you know you just start to pick up words and then you can slowly start to yeah string a sentence by about one year but that first year it's 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 pretty it's pretty funny now that i look back at it at the time it was very stressful but you know i think um you don't really achieve much if you don't put yourself out of your comfort zone and 
that was um that was kind of me you know putting myself out of my comfort zone without thinking about it when i applied for the job <laughs> just you know i think uh, ignorance is bliss sometimes and that kind of helped me and dude when um cuz obviously when um you see cooking shows these days like you got big figures like Gordon Ramsay and all these dudes who are just swearing off their head like and the kitchen just seems like a really intimidating experience like is that is that really what it's like like do do, like it's it's that notion of just pure hard work and like you know we like we'll break you down and then we'll build you back up into like to an outstanding chef like can you walk us through that yeah no it is um it's changing a lot um and I don't implement the same, the same systems that those old school Gordon Ramsay, Marco Pierre White, all those like big English name chefs that are just crazy nutcases. Um, I, I, you just don't get the best out of your staff. But 100% in France, that's true, and and and, and Europe. And um, the problem that they've got is they've got people lining up at the door. So you know, every day I'd walk into work in Paris. And there's three people waiting out there for someone to pack it in because they can't can't cope with it, and then they just go out and pick the next person in line, um, and they're happy to work for free at the start. You know, it's it's really, I think it's revered a lot more being a chef in in Europe, and it's something I think is in Australia starting we're, we're starting to get more recognition for being chefs, but in Europe it's you know you're like you're a chef man like. You're really cool. Um, and I think in Australia, we're starting to get that with you know, dudes with their tattoos and all those TV shows. But um, no, look, it, it is like that. I think it's that old school. A lot of them went to, to army. So, you know, the, the national service, I think, is very much, I've never been in national service or I've never been in the army, but it's very regimented. Um, and I think a lot of people from the army who move into it uh, do really well because they're used to that structure. They do break you down, but I've always, I've always, when I've been, been screamed at, yelled at for, for, for not moving quick enough, I tend to look at it as it's, it's, it's all about the food. It's not about me. It's not a personal attack on me. I think that's where I've been lucky that I've been able to, uh, a bit like a duck with water off its back, let those things roll off um, because I know it's just about the food. It's not, it's not a personal attack. They just want the best of the best for the customer. It's customer service. We you know we're there to, to to serve the customer, and um, and when you're paying the big bucks, you know they expect top top notch. And um, I don't I don't condone it, um, but I could definitely understand why they do it. And and I guess the way I sort of looked at it was that it was never about me. It was just about the food at the time and and, and getting the best best result possible. So yeah. Mm. So can I can I ask a follow up question about that? Because I'm really fascinated mm. by the dynamic in kitchens that you hear about. So like, you know, there's other high pressure jobs. Like you don't really see police officers yelling at each other and swearing at each other. So like, why do chefs do it? Well, I think I think it stems from it was done to me, so I'm going to do it to someone else. You know what I mean? Like it's it starts off, oh, when, when I was coming up through the ranks, all I ever did was get screamed at. And now I'm in a position that I can scream at kids. And um, I think it's how they justify it. I've, I've strongly believed that, yeah, you watch some of, you know, Gordon Ramsay's chefs that are coming through now. And the way I think they, they speak to them, from what I've heard, that, um, you know, it just gets passed down the line from generation to generation. And, 
I'm a big, I, I think I'm a big part and I think there's a lot of other chefs, a lot of mates that I know that run restaurants that we're trying to break away from that because you don't get the best out of your staff. And it's not normal to go to a job and get yelled at for eight, 16 hours a day. Who wants that? <laughs> and that's why we're, we're seeing such a big problem at the moment in our industries. You know, no one wants to be a chef or they see MasterChef or these beautiful chef table TV shows, which are fantastic. And, but, you know, you've got chefs and people who are insecure about their, themselves and in a way they're just going to break you down so that they feel better about themselves. And it just... You know, it's this vicious cycle that we're all trying to break, but it's still, it still occurs, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. What about for any young person out there that's maybe considering going into um, the chef profession? What yeah. do you think some of the key skills or key approaches or mindsets that will help, you know, when you see a young chef walk through the door, what are you looking for to see if that person's going to be, you know, a big success? Yeah, look, I just look for passion. I mean, I was always taught um, a really good family friend of mine. He, he said to me when I was, I, was, I said, oh, I'm going to go and work in a kitchen. He said, he said, it's a really tough, tough environment. And are you sure you want to do it? And I said, I love cooking. I love being in that environment. He said, great. He said, if you, if you, get, you have to do something that you love. If you don't love it, don't do it. And that's always sort of resonated and stuck with me. And I look for passion because you can teach anyone anything. You know, if, if the passion's there, they will learn and they, and, and they will do the, to the best of their ability. Um, you know, I don't, I don't care about people's nice skills. Um, you know, I, I, I care about how passionate they are. And then that just makes it so much easier. They're, they're on time. They're always looking after themselves. They present well. They're always clean. And when someone has pride in what they do, that shows in every facet, I feel. Um, so that's what I look for, and, and and young chefs are really hard to find. And I'm lucky I've got a I've got a guy. You know, he was pressuring me for shifts. And I'm like, well, if this kid wants to work, I'm going to put him to work. But you know, I look after him, and and I can just see that passion. His skills aren't there, but I'm happy to teach him. Mm. And um, that's that's what I'm looking for. And and, and you know, it, it is a tough job. And I tell people, you know, it's it's tough, but some some of the rewards you can get out of it, and you can travel anywhere and work anywhere. There is such a shortage of chefs all over the world. If you want to go and work on a super yacht, cool. Go and stand in Marseille on a on a dock and just hand out resumes. You can do it, and you'll get picked up, and you'll have the best experience ever. Mm. You know, if you want to go and work in Paris, you can. If you want to go and work in the Maldives, you want to go and work in all these beautiful places that are postcard photos. You know, you can. It's just as simple as getting on a plane and going over and doing it. It's really that easy, mm. and that's one of the best things. And what I try to sell to young kids is. You can go away and travel and see the world and work at the same time. So, you know, that's kind of how I sell it to the kids these days. But I'm just looking for passion. If, if I can see a passionate kid, then I know they're going to go far in the industry. So, yeah. Maddie, what's what's one of the biggest – I think you touched on it earlier, but I'd love to just, um, like, frame that again for our listeners. Like, what do you feel is the biggest challenge – like you face in, in your particular role, not only as a chef in hospitality, but also like as a business owner in the hospitality space? Yeah, look, like the biggest challenges that I face personally, I mean, as a chef, we'll start off with that, um, is, is problem solving. Every day there's a problem. Every, like, you know, produce, let's, let's talk about produce for two seconds, you know, 
you, the tomato you got today is not going to be the same tomato you get tomorrow. You know, you know, we've got a beautiful day up here in Dale, so the sun's out, so your, your tomatoes are going to be really super juicy and, and open. But then Dalesford as well is super cold. We might get a cold snap mm. and then the tomatoes go. So that's just, you know, using one example that every day I'll go and pick up my supplies from producers and talk to them and it changes every day. So I have to change my menu or I have to think on my feet, um, which is, you know, which is fun at the same time. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, every day I'm driving into work and I'm like, what's going to happen today? What's, what's going to change, you know? Is the meat going to not be as good as last week? Do I have to send it back? What, if I send it back, what am I doing? Mm. You know, are oh, the seafood's coming up from Melbourne? You know, at the moment, you know, I'm getting some barramundi, some, um, some farmed barramundi from the Northern Territory. It's rainy season up there, so it's super muddy. I don't want, I don't want people eating muddy fish. Mm. So then I've got to go back to the drawing board and go, okay, well, I've got to change this, but then this doesn't work for the dish. So every day it's just, it's, it's working out what to do, what, what the customer is going to be happy with, what I'm happy with. Um, something's come in frozen. I'm not happy with, so I've got to send it back and then you've got to go through the whole, okay, send it back, you know, credit notes and yeah, you know, it can, it can get, it can wear on you some days and then other days it can be, you know, you just roll with it and you let it work. I suppose from a business owner's perspective, um, one of the biggest ones that I'm, I'm really trying to make a change this year and I started to last year is that work, and family balance um you know we're, we're here to serve customers but i've got a beautiful five-month-old girl named daphne and partner rachel who are at home and you know i want to be at home as much as i can be with them um so finding that balance of being there for the customers and the locals who expect to see me there um and i get along great with the locals we have a chat and you know we get along really well um I've had about four missed calls from a local, a couple of locals trying to, I think, get in for happy hour tonight or to eat. Um, you know, so it's trying to break up that time. And I feel it's a bit like balancing plates sometimes, mm. you know, so spinning plates where, you know, you put all your energy into one and then oh, one's dropping off. So, you know, that's probably my biggest challenge I face as a business owner. Um, and then staffing, you know, a lot of, a lot of staff are, are university students, and and hospitality is not their end game, um, so you go through waves of having a lot of staff and, and an abundance, and and then I'm down. You know, I think I had ten staff in the lead up to Christmas and through Christmas New Year's, and then now I'm down to three full time staff, um, which affects the bottom dollar at Bistro. You know, I'm I'm having to cap numbers, um, which is fine. I'm I'm still doing okay, but you know, it's just, yeah. and and then you don't want to burn out. The, the staff you do have so you know you have to cap numbers and you have to you know take a bit of a hit but you know hospitality is a long-term game it's well, i'm not in it to make a quick buck it never happens um so you've got to and at the end of the day you've got to look at it it's a long-term game and you know sometimes you're going to be up and sometimes you've just got to you know just put your head down and just and be sensible about it so yeah so yeah it's it's tricky <laughs> yeah thanks for sharing man i feel like from listening to what you're saying and probably I feel like we notice the similar kind of things from other people's stories. Don't you reckon Dan, like this notion of it's, it's always a long-term game. It's never a, a short-term game. It's not a, you know, let's make a quick bark or let's, um, you know, go for that quick promotion. It's always like, nah, you know, when you're following your passion, it's always going to be in for a long-term game. I think that is what we 
tend to see when we talk to people that are really invested in what they're doing. There's yeah, no totally. like rush to the end because mm. you're enjoying the process. Mm. And it's funny. It's funny. You see the people that rush, especially in hospitality, like, you know, they've got no staff, they've got no kitchen, they're serving food that's uninspired and, and there's no love gone into it. And you, you see them looking for staff all the time. They churn through staff. Like there's no tomorrow. Don't even know where they find all that, all that stuff. But you know, you can, you can see people who are in it for it, for the, for, for the quick buck and, and the money and it doesn't work. It's just, I've seen it time and time again, people that start up, you know, uh, there's a lot of celebrities or not celebrities, but people with money think it's very easy to jump in and oh, I'm going to own a restaurant. It's such a beautiful, a beautiful idea, but the, the hard work behind it is, um, yeah, is immense. And, you know, they soon realize that and they either try and get out real quick or they, you know, they turn a blind eye and let other people run it and they run it into the ground. It's mm. just, it's, yeah. It's a, it's a tricky one. Maddie, back to the, um, when we're talking about a young chef coming through and, and it's that passion and, you know, willingness to learn mm. what's, what, what differentiates like a really good chef and then like a great chef, even when we talk, you know, on TV, like why is, you know, Gordon Ramsay so good or why is David Chang so good? Like what's that final piece that really takes a chef to be the best at what they do? Yeah, I think there's a few things. Um, I think they never stop reading. They never stop learning. Um, no one knows everything in cooking. There's always more to learn. There's new techniques. There's, you know, you could be you know, learning how to ferment things or, you know, you could be learning molecular gastronomy. So I think there's two things I think that make that set chefs out from your normal run of the mill chef up into a great, fantastic chef. And I think definitely always that drive to learn new techniques and, and ideas and, um, and that comes through reading and, and, and Instagram's great now these days because you get visual photos of things. So you can, you know, you visualize and, and then I think you've got to go and spend a lot of time getting flogged in kitchens. You have to be in there day in, day out. Um, first one in last one out, um, working for great chefs and chefs who have, who have made their name. And you learn from the greats. If you're really to succeed and be the best of the best, you have to surround yourself with the best. And I think, you know, I've, I've learned that at, you know, at school, I think, you know, there's, there's been talks and, you know, you always surround yourself with people who are better than you. Um, and yeah, strong believer in, you know, you go and seek out the best and that's how you learn. And that's how you become better is by, yeah, by learning from great people. Or reading, um, you know, reading Chef's Table as well. Chef's Table, I think, is a little bit behind where industry trends are. Just by the time they film it, then it comes out and then everyone sort of jumps on that bandwagon, but it's already passed. There's something else coming up through um, through the ranks. Um, and, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, um, I think, yeah, most definitely just putting yourself in, 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 in places and giving yourself the opportunity to, to work with great people and, and never stop learning. Always read and listen to podcasts and, you know, just, yeah, try and always better yourself. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Maddie, from, from your perspective, what, what do you see is like the most satisfying thing about being a chef? Um, is it, cause I always get the vibe that it's, you know, as you said earlier about the food and, and 
you know, someone walking away from your restaurant with a smile on their face, a full belly. Um, can you, can you break it down from your perspective? Yeah, look, I mean, most definitely. I think I love the ability that I can create food and cook food that people love and they can't do at home. Um, just a simple, you know, I've got an open kitchen sort of Tyson will know, but um, my restaurant, the whole kitchen's open. So I can, I can watch everyone in that restaurant um, eat and I can, and just watching that first five seconds, you know, if you, if you've done it or not. And that, you know, that just that sort of this, you know, that moment when they have the steak fritz and they're like, Oh man, like how good is this? Or, you know, just that big smile that comes across their face um, is awesome for me. That's, that's why I do it. I don't, you know, I do it because I enjoy to cook for people. Um, and I, lo- I like seeing the reactions like the other day and it was one on my list of things that have to be done at Bistro or have to be achieved. And that was someone proposed in the, in the, um, in the restaurant. And like, that's the coolest thing ever. Seriously. Like someone's decided that this restaurant is nice enough and they're going to have such a great time there that I'm going to get down on one knee and propose and awesome. like to see that happen. We had no idea. And I was, I think as shocked as she was, <laughs> And I'm yelling out to my front of house manager, like, quick, get the champagne, get the champagne, give him champagne. Um, and uh, yeah, got to meet them. And, you know, it's, it's great talking to people. And I hope they come back you know, every year and celebrate with us because, you know, that's pretty special to me. Um, you know, having people that, yeah, really enjoy the space so much or, you know, they're so in love and they've organized this whole beautiful weekend away and includes a beautiful meal at Bichot Terroir. And, you know, like that that's just you know that's up there for me and um i guess probably probably the only other thing is i get to work for myself um you know i make the decisions i get to choose what we do um they might not always be the right decisions but um i'm not taking orders from someone which i've done last 14 years or sorry not last 14 but you know majority of my career is you know if i don't agree with them or not or i do I can't, I can't sway. It's, you know, their decision, but it's mine. Um, and I love having that freedom to create and change with COVID and everything's happened, you know, jumping onto the takeaway bandwagon, like French takeaway foods, not, you know, better enjoyed in a restaurant, but you know, we made it work. We had some fun with it. Um, it's yeah. It's just being, being able to create and be creative and, and have an environment that, I can have everyone be happy in, um, yeah, is really, really cool for me. Uh, and why, why I love going to work so much is because there's always a really cool vibe in the restaurant. I feel. Mm. What I'm finding fascinating is like, you know, and this happens with a lot of professions, like you have an idea of what the main thing is that that person does, e.g. chef, or they cook. But for, from what you're saying, it's really fascinating to hear, you're essentially obviously managing a group of people in a really tight knit, small environment. Then you've got the timeframes of, all right, customer service. We're trying to, you know, serve the people here, make sure everything's right. Then you're doing the, you're essentially project managing the kitchen throughout the day to make sure the produce is all right. And then you, then you, it's just so much that goes into it. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, oh, it's, it's, it's nonstop. It, and you know, it, it's, um, it can sometimes grate on my partner that my phone just doesn't stop emails. And there's time, there's things I don't get time to do at work. You know, I'm so busy juggling 10 different things at work to then come home and I've got to look at emails and, and then because we're so busy, um, 
at the moment due to, well, before, but restrictions, you know, only having 50 people in the restaurant at one time. Now people are trying to message me on Facebook Messenger, on Instagram, on uh, Google Review, trying to get bookings. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm finding it very hard to, to give my time to those things um, because that's the stuff that happens at home when, when, when everyone thinks I go home and do what normal people do and go to sleep or have a couple of beers and relax. And, you know, I'm, I'm on doing emails. I'm, you know, looking at new wines, um, you know, dealing with invoices, you know, tax, all these things that no one gets to see. And that was a big shock for me when I first started was, you know, yeah, it's, I'm a chef, you know, you cook the food, they pay for it and then you got money in your bank, but there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes. Um, but you know, I love it. It's my business. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to, to not bring work home with me as much. Um, especially yeah, this year has been a big one trying to do it at work. Um, and keep my weekends, my two days where I don't have to worry about work. I, I, I try to get it done. I try to be organized enough that I get it done in, in the time, in the time frame, the five days that we're open. So, yeah, look, there are a lot of plates to be spinning and juggling all at one time. Um, but it seems daunting if you're looking from outside in. Once you get into it, you start off small. And I started off with a very small restaurant, only 30 seats. And as I became more confident with the way the restaurant runs and running it on a day-to-day, business, uh, day-to-day um, operation is easy, the business runs itself. It's about the figures behind. And if your figures aren't where they should be, and you know, it, it, this is well known over the industry that food costs shouldn't be higher than 21%. You know, staffing shouldn't be higher over 30. Your, your drinks percentages should be at 15, 20%. If you're not hitting those targets, close your restaurant. You know, it's as simple as that. That's what I worry about um, when I come home is making sure those figures, the restaurant runs itself now. Um, so it's about trying to maintain those numbers and then work out how I can change things up or cut some costs here or uh, what am I going to do for my next big event? Um, and they're the fun things that I enjoy now is, is the figures and, and, and planning for the future. Um, I still love cooking, but um, I'm really enjoying the business side of it, which um, if you had have asked an 18 year old me, that wouldn't have been the case. <laughs> mm. Matty, you referred a lot to um to books and and you know resources and and tuning into um you know generating ideas and and fresh concepts for your business and your restaurant. Is there any like go to websites? So I don't want you to reveal all your secrets, but like anything that like um our listeners who are into like um thinking about becoming a chef or just generally into their food and want to be like a better um chef at home like have you got any things that you are your go-tos yeah look like um all of my stuff you know i go through recipes and i i i look at all my cookbooks you go go to a a bookstore and just go to the the um the cooking section and 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 that's where you're learning things that's where you're picking up recipes and you're not going to take someone's recipe but you're gonna you're gonna build off it and you're gonna take ideas and go okay well i know that works but i want to change it like this and i want to do it like this and then there's a book that I think every cook aspiring chef or cook at home should have. And that's, that's La, La Russe. And that's, um, that's like the French encyclopedia of cooking. That's got everything in it. And I always go back to that and I go, okay, well, this is what I want to do, but I need to go back to the basics of French cooking 
and make sure that what I'm going to do works. Um, and it's, it's, you've got to start with a base and, and LaRousse is where it's, where it's at for learning basic cooking stock sauces, you know, um, basic peasant dishes that'll give you the foundations to then grow on that and then go to doing molecular astronomy or go to something so intricate, like, you know, I don't know, cooking a chicken in a goose, like, liver bag like you know like there's all these like cool things like you get like all these old french techniques and then guys these days are like tricking it up and changing it but it, it all stems back to the basics of french cooking and for me and for a lot of chefs that's LaRousse, mm. um which you can pick up in any bookstore um it's massive um it's um yeah maybe over a thousand pages but it's, it's really interesting it's a bible for, for me um so yeah, I go in and I, I don't know how many cookbooks I've got now, but I always go back through them. Um, and, and yeah, it's, that's where you get your inspiration from. And then you take the, the new techniques you've learned from other chefs and you apply that to something that you want to do. Um, big thing for me is taking old school dishes like pots of fur or, or beef bourguignon and, and putting my stamp on it. Some of the techniques I've now learned um, in the industry. But yeah, most definitely it would be LaRousse for me as a book, as a reading material. Um, that is my go-to. It's, I think, falling apart in the kitchen at work. But, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, that's, that's what I'd go to. Yeah, for sure. Maddie, apart from yourself, is there any chef in Australia that's up and coming that you sort of look at and think, geez, they're shaking things up a little bit? Um, look, I wouldn't say I'm up and coming. <laughs> no, no, I mean, apart, um, like, yeah, I, I yeah. mean, just like... <laughs> um, no, look, I, you know, I've kind of jumped out of the Melbourne scene now. It wasn't my sort of, wasn't my thing. Um, you know, there's some great chefs. It's funny. I think people think that a lot of chefs are up and coming. Um, the ones that make it, they've been doing it for 20 years already. You know, like a really good mentor of mine, Scott Pickett, he's got I think five, six restaurants now. I helped him with his first one just when I was working for him. Before going to Europe, I needed some some help. I needed to be taught. I needed to be screamed at and yelled at to get myself ready to go over there. Um, and he really took me under his wing. And you know, he's been doing it. I think he's from South Australia. He's, he's been in the industry for probably thirty years, and it hasn't been until the last five six years he's started to build his empire. Um, you know, the guys. You look at Eleven Madison Park. That's in New York, and they. Um, I think they'd been running restaurants for 20 years before they got to the pinnacle of becoming the world's best restaurant. And they talked about it and I met them. I was lucky enough when um, the uh, world's top 50 restaurants was held in Melbourne four or five years ago. And I got, I got to talk to them and you know, just how, how much work and effort goes into becoming up and coming sort of, if you know what I mean? Like it's, there's so much more behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, I couldn't tell you who's up and coming at the moment, but you know, like there's, there's some great chefs. You, you've got Guy Grossi, you've got, you know, um, Scott Pickett, um, you've got Shannon Bennett, uh, who stepped away a little bit, but he's still in the backgrounds. Um, you know, no matter, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate what's happened with him, um, with not paying staff. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's a hundred percent his fault, but he's the business owner. That's where it comes back to trying to juggle all these plates and pies and whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, there's Ben Shuri in Attica down in Ripley. He's 
he's doing stuff like way out of this world. Dan Barber as well, who's down near uh, Lawn. Um, there, there's some really cool chefs out there doing great stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I could pinpoint just one as a as an mm. up and comer. So yeah, Maddie, one last um, question from me, mate. So so when it comes to I suppose some some parting words of wisdom for for any young person, um, young guy, young girl, or, or even someone who's considering a career transition or change and, and wanting to step into hospitality. What's I suppose what's what your number one advice for for going into kitchen operations? Be humble. Um, be ready to learn. Be ready to work hard. Be humble. Um, there's a lot of great chefs out there these days that aren't your Gordon Ramsays. And you shouldn't stay in a restaurant that if someone's being a Gordon Ramsay, uh, it's just, it's not part of our industry anymore, really. Um, and there's a lot of chefs that aren't like that. Um, I mean, yeah, just be a sponge. It's like anything. If, if you're passionate about it, you just want to take on everything, write it down. I don't know how many cookbooks I've got um, um, and, and written recipe books. Um, I find them all the time in boxes and, but you know, you've just got to write everything down and just and be in for the ride and, and be happy and you know, understand. Yeah. It's going to be tough work, but be humble and be ready to learn and, and be passionate. If you're not, I, I say get out of the industry because it's, you know, as much as we need people in this industry, we just want the right people. And, and um, it's not like master chef. It's not like what you see on television, but you make some good friends and you learn some really cool things and, yeah, I've got to travel the world and 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 meet people and and have fun. So yeah, I love it. Any last questions from you, Danny? No, I just want to know because before we got on air, I know you had some notes, Maddie. So is there anything we haven't asked you that you'd want to <laughs> you want to cover? Like- I've got like I've got like forty pages of notes here. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look, no, it's um, no, it's just really cool to to chat with you guys, and um, you know. I guess probably one parting last thing is, you know, we're really hard workers in the, in the hospitality industry and we, we have trouble with people no showing at restaurants or making, you know, different bookings and then just not rocking up. That's really tough for us at the moment. Um, you know, we are here to serve you and there's a lot of people that don't have staff and if it waits a little bit longer or, you know, um, you're not getting that service that it used to be like, understand that like every other industry has been impacted during COVID that, we're one of those and, um, you know, be out for a good time and be happy that, you know, you get to be out and, and don't take it for granted. Um, I guess that's probably my last sort of thing that, you know, we have a lot of fun and, you know, we love to serve people and we just want people to, uh, yeah, appreciate what we're doing and what goes into to a day-to-day life of being a chef, I guess. Nah, such, such good words, man. Like I think that's one thing I've noticed when people going back from um, coming out of the lockdown, like everyone wants, we're, it's human nature to just want everything now, 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 now. And I think um, especially in modern times and it's such a good reminder, like I think for everyone just to be patient, enjoy, don't take these types of things for granted considering what's on the horizon in Melbourne at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, even here we're all locking down for five days, but mm. you know, like just enjoy it. Remember you're out, you know, you get to relax us chefs and, and restaurateurs and, and waiters and dishwashers and everyone in the industry, we don't get to go out on our weekends. The weekends are, are for, for looking after you guys, but you know, we enjoy ourselves on, on our time. Mm. Um, but yeah, just remember where you are and enjoy it and, you know, have fun because, you know, thank God we're not Europe, you know, um, 
I've got friends with restaurants that haven't opened all, all of last year. They, 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 you know, a couple of them are working for the post post office in France. Mm-hmm. They just can't, they can't get the restaurant going. So, you know, we're very lucky where we are and, and um, you know, it's yeah, just enjoy it while you're out and have fun and enjoy that bottle of wine and yeah, <laughs> enjoy that steak fritz. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, and Maddie, how can people um, obviously follow your updates, mate, and also, you know, organize a meal at your restaurant? Yeah. So look, um, so you got the website. It's being rebuilt at the moment, um, but it's Bistro Terroir and Terroir is T-E-R-R-O-I-R.com.au. Uh, uh, you can jump on our Instagram, um, which is bistro.terroir. Um, and then Facebook is Bistro Terroir Dalesford. So, um, yeah, we I'm not great on the social media. That's one plate that probably spun a bit harder. But um, no, look, we try and update it and, and let people know what we're doing. And uh, yeah, you can you can see everything bistro there. Mm, no, awesome, man. Awesome. And listeners, I highly recommend his restaurant. I'm not just saying it because I went to school with him, but <laughs> highly, highly recommend it. And one last question, mate, just for our listeners. What's your, um, what's your go-to bottle of wine at the moment? This may not be one for the students, but for Ooh. our older listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you throw me out on this because I was ready for like a podcast or a book or a TV series, but you've just thrown wine in. No, um, no wine. I, I'm, I'm big in the Burgundy section at the moment. Um, that's been getting a bit of a, uh, a run at the moment. Um, it's quite oaky. That's oaky. So, so Burgundy is, is predominantly Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm going through that. I've stopped this month. I'm doing a, a Feb fast. So, but yeah, no, I'm I'm in Burgundy at the moment, and 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 have been for a while, and really enjoying that 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 style of wine. So yeah, awesome. and Maddie, I won't let Ty let you down because I know you've got yes. something prepared. So <laughs> give us give us the yeah give us a book of inspiration that you want to uh, tell us about. Yeah, well, so the book has nothing to do with hospitality, but it has everything to do about passion and. Um, adversity um, is the push by Tommy Cadwell. I reckon I've read that about three times. And if you don't like reading books, you can jump on Netflix and watch. I think it's called uh, The Dawn Wall. Oh, he's um, the rock climber, isn't he? Yeah, oh. he's just out of control. Just like went to Kazakhstan and got taken by ter- uh, terrorists, and um, and then climbed the da- the Dawn Wall um, in Yosemite Park with a with a with another climber and. I think they're on the face for uh, three months. Mm. Just like the stuff they have to go through just to, to make this climb was just out of control. So, uh, yeah, I love the book. TV show is just as great. Oh, the, the movie, it's on Netflix called The, the Dawn Wall. It's just as good. So, yeah, I've seen the movie. It's brilliant. Yeah, but it's I haven't brilliant. read the book, but, yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, it just goes a bit further into depth. But, um, yeah, that was really good. And then um, for a hospitality uh, podcast would be The Secret Source. Awesome. So it's really to do with business and, and, and marketing in, in, in restaurants. So found that very helpful when I was starting the restaurant. Yeah, cool. Maybe final question, buddy. Did you do any climbing when you were in the French Alps? So is that how you got into the push and the dorm wall? Um, oh, I love my hiking. Like uh, what, just before COVID hit, I was in Switzerland with my partner and we did uh, eight different hikes through the Swiss Alps, like eight-hour hikes going up 100 and – no, uh, 1,100 meters in uh, altitude. Loved it. Like just love being out in the in there in the fresh air. 
Uh, I'm a bit heavy to be a rock climber at the moment. Maybe back in my day when I was a bit fitter. But um, no, I just love hiking. I love being outdoors. I'm, I'm stuck inside a lot of the time. So anytime I can get a chance, you know, we went through the French Alps as well. We just took three weeks and, and just, just, just wandered, which was fantastic. So yeah, I, I kind of just relate. I'd love to be a rock climber, but don't have strong enough hands. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, really, really appreciate it. And your insights were really valuable. So thank you. No, cool. No, thanks for having me on guys. It's, um, it's an awesome podcast. And um, yeah, like I said to you just off air before coming on, I like binge watched, I binge listened to like, I reckon like 10 episodes over my weekend. Just loved it. I would go back and listen to more. It's um, yeah, no, you're doing a great job guys. And love listening to you. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the arrive and thrive podcast, please let us know by sharing it with a connection and leaving a review. We hope that through this podcast, even more people can design a career and life that they love and are proud of. See you soon.